0: We are in a series in the book of Daniel, the Old Testament book of Daniel. I encourage you to turn in your Bibles with me as we today will be in Daniel chapter 3. Remember that Daniel is a prophet sent by God to share a message with God's people. In this case, a people who are in exile. Israel, the southern peoples of Israel, Judah, have been disobedient to God. And God allowed the Babylonians to come in. And in 605 BC. Took some of the leaders of the people. And then in 586. There was a major deportation. To Babylon. The city state of Babylon. And Daniel is writing to those people. He's sharing his message. With those exiled people. Sometimes. Uh, this book records for us just a glimpse into Daniel's life. Sometimes it talks about what is going to happen in the future. Today, once again, we will see a glimpse into Daniel's friends' lives, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We saw in chapter 1 that Daniel refused to compromise towards sin. And because of that, God used him greatly. We saw in chapter 2 that at times, God allows his people to endure impossible obstacles, but through that, magnifies himself. And today in chapter 3, we're going to see Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, with such a view of God that they believe that God is big enough that they can trust him. So let's look at this very um, well-known passage. About Daniel's three friends in chapter 3. I'll read it out loud. You can follow along in your copy of the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold. The height of which was 60 cubits. It's his width, 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent word to assemble the satraps and the priests, prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, To you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you're to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, at that time, when all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, Oh, king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and anger gave orders to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up? Now, if you're ready. At the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast in the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not... Let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath, and his facial expression was altered toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He answered by giving orders to, beat, to heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. He commanded certain valiant men, valiant warriors who were in his army, to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in order to cast them into the furnace of blazing fire, then these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their caps, their other clothes, and were cast in the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. For this reason, because of the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flame of the fire slew those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. He said to his high officials, was it not three men we cast bound into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four Men loosed and walking about in the midst of that fire without harm. in the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was the hair of their heads singed, nor were their trousers damaged, and, they had, and nowhere had the smell of fire even come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, yielding up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make decree that any people, nation, or tongue who speaks anything offensive Against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. And their houses reduced to a rubbish heap. Inasmuch as there's no other God who's able to deliver in this way. Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. We're going to see in this third chapter of Daniel. That sometimes very overtly, like here, the culture in which we live, the forces of this world, actually coerce people to sin. And sometimes it's more covert. And we don't recognize maybe what's going on around us, but just as is true for, for Daniel's three friends... Is true for us today. That we live in a world. That is not pro-God. But is actually protagonist. Or antagonist toward God. We live in a world that is controlled by Satan and his forces. Who has no greater desire. Than to see God's people. Sin against God. To trip them up. And that's what we find happening here in Daniel chapter 3. Now, we in this room, at least not right now, are going to be faced with the same circumstances that Daniel's three friends are faced with. There's not going to be anybody today that comes into our home and, and demands that we worship a foreign god uh, other or else we will die. Not going to happen, at least not right now here in the United States, but each of us face decisions, whether it's in the workplace, at school, on an athletic team, we face decisions of whether or not we are going to remain true to God or if we are going to succumb to the pressure that This world forces us, forces upon us to actually turn away from God and to do what we know is wrong. When I was in college, I worked at a a factory in Omaha, Nebraska. And every year, every employee was called into the VP's office, a guy named David Loomis. And we had to sit in a chair across the desk from Dave. And Dave would say to us, how much money are we going to deduct out of your check this year to go to United Way? Well, in our particular community, I'd done some research. And I had a moral objection to what's how the United Way was using some of the funds in our particular area there. And I looked at Dave. And I'm a college kid in this Big strapping guy. And I said. I don't want to. And he says. You don't understand. We are a hundred percent company. You are going to do this. And I said. No I'm not. I'm not going to sign that. And I'm not going to do it. Well. As a kid. Who wasn't that old. In my faith in Jesus Christ. That was not. A happy time for me. It was kind of a scary time for me. Because I desperately needed my job. And I've got this executive staring at me with this cold look with daggers in his eyes. That I had just wrecked the company's record. But sometimes we face decisions where we have to make a decision. Am I going to do what I know is the right thing to do? Or am I going to bend out of convenience sake? And a sense of self-preservation. Well, Daniel 3 is a chapter that is an encouragement encouragement to us as God's people. That the best thing that we can do is to stand firm in obedience to him. And he's a big enough God that we can trust him. For what happens to us when we do that. As the chapter begins in chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, we see what we've been talking about: that, that believers um, oftentimes are coerced to sin against God by our world system. And here in chapter 3, we find King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember last week in chapter 2. Daniel had told Nebuchadnezzar the meaning of this recurring dream that he had. That this image uh, of precious metals that Nebuchadnezzar kept seeing at night. Represented the kingdoms that would reign over Israel's territory. From the Babylonian captivity all the way up to the time. When Jesus Christ will one day sit on David's throne. As Messiah. And reign God's kingdom. The first of those kingdoms. Was represented by the head of gold. And in chapter 2 verse 38. Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar. That's you. Well evidently Nebuchadnezzar really liked that. Because what Nebuchadnezzar did. Is he had a A uh, monument erected. We're not told in the text. If it was just a spire. Or if it actually was a picture of Nebuchadnezzar. We don't know. But it's eight stories high. It's 90 feet tall. Nine feet wide. And it says that it's made out of gold. Most likely it had a wood frame. And it was overlaid with gold. And Nebuchadnezzar called All of the leadership of Babylon together. We notice in verse 2. It says the satraps. Those will most likely be the the chief representatives of the king. The prefects. Would have been military leaders. And all kinds of other leaders. They call them all together. And they tell them this. As they are all gathered. Verse 4. To you. The command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. That at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music. You are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. You see, Nebuchadnezzar has built his empire. Most likely there are foreign peoples that he has taken captive. In his mind, he's going to unify his kingdom by demanding Worship. And he has such an air about him. That he believes he is above all gods. So as the section comes down here in verse 7. It says the music played. And all the peoples, men of every language, fell down and worshipped the golden image. Now this is the problem for Daniel's three friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Evidently Daniel was either not present. Or uh, was so high up in the government. He was not underneath this edict. But Daniel's three friends are affected. For them to bow down before this golden image. Would be a direct violation of what God had said is right. Remember the 10 commandments are recorded for us. In Exodus chapter 20. And in Exodus chapter 20. Starting to read in verse 3. We read this. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself. An idol or any likeness. Of what is in heaven above. Or in the earth beneath. Or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I the Lord your God am a jealous God. Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego. Knew. That they could not. Worship this image. If they did. They would sin against God. What do they do? Their lives are at stake. They live in a world system. That is coercing them. To sin. They haven't brought these circumstances upon themselves. But that's where they are. What do they do? A very overt attack on their faith. Several weeks ago, I had a strange thing happen to me. I was getting ready on a Friday morning to go to my Rotary Club. I'm part of Rotary. It's a service organization. And every Friday morning at 7 o'clock a.m., we have a meeting. Right now, we're meeting at the Cedar Rapids Country Club. And as I was getting ready to go, I looked at my iPhone and my iPhone says, it will take you 12 minutes to get to the Cedar Rapids Country Club. Well, that freaked me out. I'm thinking, how does my phone know that I'm heading to Rotary? So I went into Outlook and I noticed that I said Rotary, but I didn't say where it was. And I did a little research and I found that unbeknownst to me, my phone was tracking my movements And I had every Friday morning I did the same thing. And my phone, the software had tracked that. And so now it's telling me where I'm supposed to go. I didn't like that. I turned that off. Something going on behind the scenes that I didn't know about. And unfortunately for us... Too often we are not cognizant. We are not aware of how much is going on behind the seeds in our lives spiritually. We live in a spiritual battlefield. I am going to read several New Testament passages in quick succession. You can just listen. That talk about Who is in control of this world system in which we live. And how much this world system is aimed at attacking God and God's people. We'll begin first in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 talks about this place in which we live. And it says this. In whose case the God of this world. Has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. So that they might not see the light of the gospel. Of the glory of Christ. Who is the image of God. You see that's what Satan and his forces are all about. They don't want people to put their trust in Jesus Christ. The book of Ephesians chapter 2. Verse two says this, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And then in the same chapter, chapter six, verse 12, it says this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. Against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. You see, we live, we exist in a spiritual battlefield. And just like my iPhone, too often we're not aware of that. We're not aware that sometimes very overtly, sometimes covertly, there is this enticement to get us to sin. Sometimes a coercion to get us to turn away from God. Because that's what Satan's desire is, is is to get you and to get me to put something else in God's place. Well, that's what Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, faced. So come to verses 8 through 18. We see that those three men trusted God. They trusted God so much that they were willing to obey him. And not listen to this coercion. Not listen to this, this enticement towards sin. Along comes some Babylonian officials. Probably jealous of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And these guys come to Nebuchadnezzar. And the first thing is they really uh, make him feel good. And they come and they, and they say to Nebuchadnezzar, oh king, live forever. And then they repeat what his order had been as if he's forgotten it. And then comes the accusation in verse 12. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. And look at verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before him. And he says to them, is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship this golden image that I've set up? I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to have the music played right now. And if you just bow down and worship, we'll just forget the whole thing. But if you don't, I'm going to put you in that fiery furnace. Right now. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came back to the king and they said, we don't even have to think about this. Verse 16. We do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. And then in some of the greatest words of faith in the entire Bible, this is what these men said. If it be so, our God whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. You know, Nebuchadnezzar is so puffed up he actually said what god could deliver you out of my hand and now shadrach meshach and abednego said our god can but even if he doesn't we are going to serve him and not you even if he doesn't you know we we live in a place where Basically, the world's message is you better take care of yourself because no one else is going to. You better preserve your own interests. Watch out for yourself because if you don't watch out for yourself, no one else is going to. And here Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, you know what? We are not going to try to preserve ourselves because we have a big enough God. We're going to obey him. And if he chooses to preserve us, he will. Several weeks ago, Barbara and I were vacationing with one of our adult children and his family. And it was kind of late at night and we were at on a platform waiting for a train to take us back to their house. We were positioned right where we needed to be. The train was going to come. The door was going to be right in front of us. Uh, we are right near the edge of the platform. We could see the light of the train coming down the tunnel toward us. We were ready. Just then, out of the corner of our eye, this mass of people just came pouring onto the platform. An Ed Sheeran concert had just let out. And this mass of people, just as the train pulled up... Literally just came in and pushed us out of the way and got on the train. I really wanted to grab a few people, but it's not good for grandpa to do that. You know, our tendency is I'm going to guard my turf. I'm going to protect what's mine. I'm going to, I'm going to preserve myself. And yet these three, Said, I don't have to preserve my own interests. I don't have to preserve my own life. I've got a big God. All I have to do is obey Him. And they took a step back and they said, we're going to trust Him. You know, it's hard for us to understand why sometimes do we go through these kinds of terrible trials. Stuff that we, we didn't bring on ourselves. It just, we get up and all of a sudden we're in the fires and sometimes we can't figure that out or maybe it takes a long time but there's one thing for sure that the new testament tells us that happens when we are willing to still obey god in the midst of the storm and we find that in the book of philippians chapter 2 and i'm just going to read that philippians chapter 2 starting in verse 14 it says this, do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. I think sometimes we face these these kinds of tests, these obstacles for no other reason that in a very dark place, God can use us as a light for him. It's interesting that we really don't notice a light in the sunshine, right? We notice the light in the darkest of times. Here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, it would have been so easy for them to rationalize. They could have said, well, we're not going to be any use for God if we die Let's just go ahead and we'll physically bow down. But in our hearts we'll be praising the Lord. No one, you know, who's going to know if we bow down to this thing? We're not going to do God any good if we're dead. But that's not what they said, is it? They chose to not sin. They chose not to succumb to this world system that is Coercing people, enticing people to sin against God because they believe that God was big enough to walk with them, to uphold them, to help them. Which is what we find happening in verses 19 through 30 as God supports Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they stood firm in obedience. Sometimes God will actually lift somebody up. And just remove them from the storm. Sometimes we still go through the storm. But Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were so convinced. That God was great enough to deliver them. If he chose to do so. That they were able to say. We're not going to obey your command Nebuchadnezzar. God can deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're still going to be obedient to him. Well, when Nebuchadnezzar heard that, he's mad. Look at verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath. His facial expression was altered towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Isn't that great? You can just picture this guy. He's so angry that you can see it on his face. He's seething. He's furious. He's enraged. And he said, heat up the furnace seven times hotter than it's ever been before. And then he asked for volunteers. Hey, uh, I need some volunteers to throw these three guys into the furnace. And it's so hot that when the three guys try to go throw them in the furnace, they get burned up. You remember when it's what it's been like when you wanted to go out and make some s'mores or Or hot dogs. And probably mom should have been the person to go build a fire. But dad did it. And it's so hot that you can't get within 20 yards of it. Well this is like that on steroids. There's no way they could. And they got close to throw these three guys. And they all died. But to Nebuchadnezzar's amazement. He looks into the furnace and there's four, not three. And he says, hey, guys, didn't we just put three in there? And Yeah. Well, there's four now. And one of them looks like he could be a son of the gods. Many Bible teachers believe that this is an appearance of Jesus Christ before he had taken on humanity. Others believe it's just an, an angelic being. Regardless, it's God's help. And they're walking around in there. And as all these leaders of Babylon are gathered, Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, get out of there. Come out here. And they come out. And it tells us that um, in verse 27 that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was the hair of their head singed. Nor were their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of fire even come upon them. Now that, if we ever have gone out and done s'mores or roasted hot dogs and you're by a campfire. The next morning, when you get your clothes out, whoa, that smells like the fire, right? These guys had been thrown into this furnace that was seven times hotter than it normally would be. And they didn't even smell like smoke. And Nebuchadnezzar made a decree. And he says. If anybody even says anything bad. About the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They're going to be torn to pieces. And their houses will be reduced to a rubbish heap. And Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Were promoted within the kingdom. A couple weeks ago. We were celebrating my wife's. Parents' 60th anniversary, and they rented a place in Summit County in Colorado. We were uh, in the Dillon area, and what was fun is when our children were little, we went to Colorado almost every year. Sometimes with my family, sometimes with Barbara's family. My mother grew up in Fort Collins. This was our stomping grounds. And there's a little hike that we used to do when we stayed in Frisco. Uh, that was called the Rainbow Lake Hike, the Rainbow Lake Trail. And we did it every year. And it's kind of fun now that our adult children and their adult cousins all wanted to go do Rainbow Lake together. We have pictures when they were just little, and now they're all adults and have kids of their own, but they all wanted to do Rainbow Lake. And so we headed out for Rainbow Lake. And it's fun. There's a, a bog with, like, wooden... Uh, like wooden planks that you walk across. Like a wooden trail that you walk across. And it was fun with the little kids. We had five age four and under with us. And uh, and we were walking with our oldest son and his wife and their two little girls. Several times on the trail. It's a pretty easy walk. But several times we came across rocky areas. And I watched my oldest son Grant as he worked with his little four-year-old and his two-year-old. And sometimes he would say to them... Do you want daddy to rocket you across? And they would say yes. And he would pretend like he was a rocket. And he would just pick them up. And shoot them across the rocks. And lay them down on the other side. And sometimes. God literally. Is big enough to remove us. From some of these things that we face. He can just pull us right out of it. He's a big enough God to do it. But oftentimes what Grant did with his little girls was walked through the rocky places with them and held on to their little hands and they walked through the rocks with their father. And it was kind of fun for me, just as grandpa, to just watch and see the confidence those little girls had because they had their daddy's hand. They had complete confidence in their father. Don't you wish sometimes that as adults that we could think more like kids? I get so frustrated with myself sometimes for not trusting the Lord more because it's the same thing. He is so big and He is worthy of our trust and He's not going to let us, He's not going to abandon us in the rocky places. Sometimes He'll walk us through those rocky places. And and many of you are in some rocky places right now. Once in a while, he'll jet us. He'll he'll launch us and just remove us from it. But oftentimes, we walk through it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Our God's big enough. If he wants to, he'll just deliver us out of this. But even if he doesn't, we're still going to be obedient to him. What a great statement of faith. As we look at this passage, it's important for us to look at it and say, are there any golden images in my life right now? No, not a not a 90-foot spire that might look like Nebuchadnezzar, but really a golden image could be anything in our life that's trying to entice us away from obeying God. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing to say, nope, I'm not going to bow to that because God's big enough to meet my needs, to undergird us, that I don't have to self-preserve and sin. If you're here today and, and if you don't know if you're right with God or not, one of our leaders, one of our elders of Faith Bible Church will be back right behind us in the prayer room. And you can stop back there. They can give you material that you can look up verses in your Bible using that material and and see how you can know for sure that you can be right with God through faith in Jesus. Or maybe you're going through some rocky spots right now and you just want to spend some time praying encourage you to go back to the prayer room after the service. Father, we thank you for your word and the encouragement that it brings to us. We thank you for this testimony of Daniel's three friends And the reminder that you you are worthy of our trust. And because of that, we don't have to preserve ourselves. But rather we can simply be obedient to you and trust you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.